nights a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. It's a Victory of Monday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast, and the matchup set. It's Rodgers versus Brady. It's the Packers and the Bucks in Lambeau Field on Sunday for the NFC Championship, a trip to Super Bowl 55 on the line. We'll get there, but a lot to recap from the weekend, so that's why they called in the APA. I'm Alex Strofe alongside the great Perry Goldstein and the OK Andy Herman, the creator of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday. How's it going, Alex? All good here, man. Feeling good. A great weekend of football yet again this weekend, uh, but all good in my corner. Perry, how's everything in New York? Oh, it's great. Uh, we're enjoying the watching football and, you know, there's no New York teams left for <laughs> a long time. So it's nice to revel in that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Green Bay is a, a little bit more fun to watch, I imagine, than either the Jets or the Giants. So that's what we're here to talk about. Um, and obviously a, a nice 32 to 18 win over the Los Angeles Rams on Saturday to open uh, the playoff journey, if you will, for Green Bay. And they are moving on NFC Championship game this weekend. But uh, we're about uh, well, when you're listening to this, about 36 hours removed from the win. So, Perry, we'll start with you. I mean, what what, what what's the gut reactions? How you feeling uh, over a day removed from this thing? I thought it was a great win. Um, I know that they got a little bit close in that. You know, they were it was one score game at, at some point in the third quarter, but the Packers felt really dominant in this game to me. At no point was I really all that worried that the Rams would somehow come back from this. It, it just the seven point difference. It felt closer than the game did, if that makes sense. Sure. Like the, the Packers just really owned this game in all three phases, um, you know, besides kind of a, a minor special teams blunder, which I'm sure we'll get into it. it the offense was just absolutely rolling. Um, it just felt like Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were on some kind of like telepathic level where everything was working. They were comfortable and dominant. And they went into this game and they said, you know, you are in our house and you're going to have to attack us if you want to beat us. Um, and the Rams didn't really have any answers so uh it just it just felt good it was exciting seems like this team often makes it too close for comfort like they did uh there in the third quarter but they pulled away and like you said perry they really did it felt like they dominated throughout andy initial takeaways here about 30 hours removed yeah i think first of all it's it's kind of crazy how this same formula has kind of worked all throughout this season obviously this dominant explosive offense that's able to put up 30 points almost you know seemingly every single week um you know a defense that is frustrating at times but at the end of the day has been i think better than expected and then a special teams that's mostly abysmal and gives you fits throughout the entirety of the game even if some of those plays maybe aren't super egregious they're still frustrating at best but it's kind of been the same formula all season long and that offense just covers um, you know, uh, certainly some of the the ales from, you know, the other side of the ball. But uh, overall, uh, I mean, you can't be too disappointed in this game. I did think going back and watching it, I mean, Aaron Donald was a shell of himself, you know, not to be uh, a wet blanket on the party here, but, you know, Aaron Donald wasn't even close. In fact, I thought not only did he 
was he a shell himself? I thought he was actually kind of a liability when he was out on the field. There were a couple of those early runs where you could see, you know, Elton Jenkins was able to just kind of move him easily. Like that's not the Aaron Donald that we're used to seeing. Then he gets frustrated as the face mask penalty in a big spot. Like that's just, that's not what you see out of Aaron Donald. Obviously Cooper cup being out certainly hurt this team. You know, I went into this game thinking that green Bay needed to have, you know, only about a B to B plus game in order to beat the Rams. I think that's kind of what they had. I, I would say yeah. maybe like a B game. I don't think they played their best football, you know, even on offense, the, the Rams never really stopped them. The, the Packers kind of stopped themselves. You had the, the drops, uh, you know, by Alan Lazard, you had the missed throw by Aaron Rodgers to, to MVS down the field. Um, you had a couple interceptable passes at the end of the half that could have taken points off the board. And I'm not meaning to be nitpicky here. I just think the kind of the, the opposite, I think kind of the crazy thing is they just kind of dominated and put up almost 500 yards against one of the arguably the best defense in football. And I thought they kind of played like a B, B minus game. And that just goes to show you how talented and how much of a juggernaut this offense is and what's still out on the table for him. You've got to feel so blessed when you can say it wasn't this team's best performance yet. All the hype all week was they're facing the number one defense. They go for just about 500 yards. They put up 32 points, win comfortably, and still not their best game. That's a good thing to be saying uh, when, you know, only three weeks away from a potential Super Bowl. So uh, I'm with you right there, Andy. I don't think they played their best football, but they still look like the much better team on their home field where they are now 8-1 and one on the year at Lambeau. But Aaron Rodgers, uh, efficient and terrific as he has been all year long, 23 of 36, 296, two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown to go along with it. The offense looked good. You saw the many facets in which they are very talented. Uh, the running game, spectacular. Aaron Jones, a, a yard under 100 on 14 carries. Jamal Williams, 65 yards on the ground. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams still manages a way to get nine catches, and a big headline all week was him versus Jalen Ramsey, one of the top corners in the league. It, all facets of this offense looked pretty darn stellar Perry I mean it, this is kind of what we've seen all year right this offense knows how to dominate a ball game yeah absolutely and I I'll, I mean we can start with the with the narrative uh, of Ramsey and Adams yeah. uh, like you said you know he got nine catches I think about 58 yards or something like that but this what happened was exactly what uh, to be honest I was expecting to happen which is Yes, maybe Ramsey shadows Adams a little bit. Honestly, he didn't as much as I was expecting him to. Adams didn't go off like he did in, let's say, last year's divisional round game against the Seahawks. He didn't need to. Lazard stepped up. MVS stepped up. EQ stepped up. You saw all three running backs in in the game at once. You know, you've heard Matt LaFleur all season talk about how he thinks that the Packers have the best running back room in the league. And he finally gets all three of them involved um, in a big game. And it, it, it just it worked. The, the offense was flowing. They were up tempo. Rodgers was getting the ball out quickly when he needed to. But our offensive line was playing so well that when he needed time, they gave him time. Just everything was fitting so well together. So I just really want to highlight more specifically. I thought that as much as I loved having all three running backs on the field and seeing that rotation, I really think that this game for me highlighted how special Aaron Jones is. Um, you know, you see Jamal go in and A.J. Dillon obviously is a rookie, so he has some time to, you know, get his legs underneath him, pun intended. Uh, but Aaron Jones is just such a special 
back. Um, he's just so much more dynamic than the other two at this time. They got him involved a little bit in the passing game. You saw him split out wide. You know, he rips off that 60 yarder it, to start the first half. And it's just like nobody else in the room can do that. You know what I mean? Like that he's just it. I think it just highlighted to me um, how special he is. And I don't know what's going to happen with him in the offseason, but it's been just an absolute pleasure because I think that he opens up this offense so immensely um and we saw it yeah and for me you know i I, the thing that really stood out to me was how green bay went about this game and how they really just stuck to the running game and i think what i want to point out is it is really easy in a game like this to say you know what we have a chance to go to the nfc championship i I have to put the the ball in the hands of Aaron Rodgers and make him win this game because you know what if if I go out and and I'm speaking as like Matt Lafleur here if I go out and I run the ball 36 times and we lose to the Rams at home and don't get to the NFC Championship game I'm gonna be second guessed all week as to why the ball wasn't in Aaron Rodgers' hands and giving me better more of an opportunity to win and I think it really takes you know some guts at times just to keep sticking with the run and, and you know they ran the ball well all day especially on first down so certainly that makes it easier but it takes it takes patience to stick with a running game like that and to you know cycle all the running backs in and to get everyone a chance and in a way to kind of take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands a little bit and to run the football. But I really think that Green Bay learned a lesson in what was it, week 15 against the Carolina Panthers. You go back that first game, they're up 21 to three. The Panthers were daring them to run the football throughout the entirety of that first half. And Green Bay obliged. They ran right down Carolina's throat. And I think Green Bay kind of expected them maybe to change things up or wanted to go for the jugular and that kill shot. And Green Bay came out aggressive in the second half, which you kind of liked in, you know, all gas, no breaks mentality in that situation. But Carolina kept playing like eight guys in coverage and just daring Green Bay to run the football. And Green Bay didn't oblige in the second half. They had three total points in that second half. Carolina came back. Thankfully, the discrepancy in talent allowed Green Bay to still win that game. Um, But against L.A., they just kept pounding the football and kept getting consistent yardage. And when you have 36 carries, 188 yards and two touchdowns on the ground compared to 36 passing attempts, I mean, that is literally perfect balance. And when the the Rams are known for playing more coverage, they want more guys in coverage than they want up near the line of scrimmage. They want their defensive linemen to do kind of the heavy lifting to make sure that the run is stopped. Um, and, and Green Bay won with physicality up front. And it was telling that in like in Matt LaFleur's like first sentence of his, his postgame press conference, he talked about wanting to come in and win this game with physicality. That was present from play one, uh, you know, that, that the Packers had against the Rams and that mentality and that ability to run the football to me was the, the really big difference in this game. Yeah, Andy, you talk about the play in the trenches and, and how, you know, obviously the physicality battle. Uh, was definitely, you know, prevalent all game long. But I look at that offensive line. We've talked about how dynamic they've been all year long. Uh, now, even with it, without David Bakhtiari on the left side, no sacks allowed against this Rams defense that was touted to be one of the, you know, touted to have one of the best pass rushes in all of the NFL. Now, we know the, the storyline of Aaron Donald. Obviously, he was playing a little banged up. But I was really impressed with the O-line play, Andy. I was too. And I think that to me, though, you know, the game ball goes to the offensive line in this game. Again, setting the tone, not only in the run game, but obviously I think Aaron Rodgers, no sacks, one hit on the day is what was credited to the Rams. They they won in all phases. And I, I could not be more shocked. And I, I would never have been able to predict if you would have said, 
you know, going back to last year, the line that they had uh, last year with Bakhtiari and Bulaga at tackle, Lindsley at center, Jenkins at left guard, and then um, Billy Turner at right guard, that, you know, this offensive line this year, Sands, David Bakhtiari, and Brian Bulaga at this point would be in the same conversation. And right now, the way that they played, they were in the same conversation with that offensive line. And I tweeted out uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I think actually after the Bears game, actually it was before the Bears game, um, right after David Bakhtiari had gotten hurt. Even if you would, for my grades this year, even if you had taken David Bakhtiari out of my grades this year, and he graded obviously insanely well, the offensive line still graded like three times as good as what they did a year ago with Balaga and Bakhtiari in there. And I just think it's a huge credit to the the Packers offensive line coaches, Adam Stenovich and, and Luke Butkus. And it just it hasn't mattered all season long whether Lindsley's been out, whether Bakhtiari's been out, who's playing left tackle, who's playing the right side. It just hasn't mattered. And credit to so many of those players that have the positional versatility, but it, it goes beyond that too. It's great to have positional versatility. It's another to go out and block some of the best defenders in football and keep Aaron Rodgers protected and still open holes for Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams. And in a playoff atmosphere, Lambeau Field, to come up with a game like that against the league's number one defense, and no David Bakhtiari, no Lane Taylor. I just I don't know how you could give the game ball to any anyone else besides the Packers offensive line in this game. No, you're totally right. I mean, versatility is obviously a big word that comes to mind. But how about dominance? I think that's what we saw against the Rams, and we've seen for a better part of this 2020 campaign. They've been uh, impressive all year long. Most, most, uh, I guess, consistent would be the right word, position group outside of quarterback for the Packers this year. Perry, big O-line takeaways for you from Saturday. Yeah, absolutely agree. Just dominant performance. And I, I just think there's so much credit, like Andy said, you know, when you lose a guy like David Bakhtiari to shuffle around the way they have pretty much all season, but to do it in a playoff game, um, the stakes are higher. And we we know keeping Aaron Rodgers upright is the key to winning this game, any game, all games. So no sacks, one hit. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Even I know that Aaron Donald wasn't who Aaron Donald can be, but he's still at 60% of himself better than more than half of the defensive linemen across the league. And um, I, I think also just Elton Jenkins and only his second season is going up against, you know, 99, one of the best and re- really getting in there and just doing absolute work against him. So uh, it's just really nice to see. And my only other thought is that if this O-line plays the, the way that they did Saturday, uh, they can beat anybody. They're going straight to the Super Bowl, straight to Lombardi. Oh, that gets me all fired up because they're they're, <laughs> they're in the final four, man. They're so close. Uh, just hoping for the opportunity only a few days away until Sunday. Uh, I just can't wait. But uh, the offense, fantastic. You mentioned second-year Elton Jenkins has been dominant. How about second-year Rashawn Gary on the defensive oh. side of the ball? Uh, wow, did he have a performance on Saturday against the Rams? Andy, uh, both the defense overall looked pretty solid throughout, but Rashawn Gary definitely uh, stuck out on that one. Yeah, he really did. And I mean, it's just so exciting when you start seeing these players kind of have the light bulb go on. And we've seen it with Darnell Savage over the course of the last couple months. We've seen it now with Rashawn Gary. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's ready to crown him and say, look at their first team all pros yet. But you can see the type of impact. I think they credited um, Gary with seven pressures in this game, which you have to remember. I mean, Jared Goff only what went back to pass 28 times, I think, in this game. So uh, one every four times that uh, Jared Goff went back to pass. 
Rashawn Gary had a pressure on, like that is absolutely insane on um, the level of productivity he had. And then, you know, he was, it's not only that too, but you know, I, I'll be the first to admit when, when the Packers selected Gary, wasn't a huge fan of the pick. If anyone remembers uh, my analysis at the time, but one of the things that I did say is that it's one thing to not be a fan of the pick. It's another to call it a bust. I, I figured that Rashawn Gary would never be a bust because of how he's able to set the edge in the running game and how, you know, how physical he is at the point of attack. I always thought that would be there for him. We saw that too. We saw that he was still very, very, still very, very capable as a run defender. Now he's, you know, just turning on the, the light bulb as a, a pass rusher and you can see him start to put things together. Earlier this year, we saw some, you know, speed to power or uh, yeah, speed to power type moves from him, but he didn't have much after that, now we're seeing a little bit more variety in his, his pass rush skill set, and that, that's just a scary thing to think about, that he's still getting better with just the insane raw athleticism that he has. Three quarterback hits and a sack and a half for Rashawn Gary on Saturday, but the D-train looking good, chugga-chugga-choo-choo. How you feeling, Perry, about the defense? It was really, really fun to watch Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark just absolutely ruin Jared Goff's day on Saturday. The two of them just from the outside and from the interior pressure together, like he had nowhere to go. Um, And again, it's, it's easy to sort of get excited about a defensive performance where they're missing a few key players like Cooper Cup and Jared Goff had, you know, the broken thumb. But I think I thought all things considered Jared Goff actually passed the ball pretty well. Um, I thought it would be a lot worse. And yes, in the third quarter, you know, it, it got close and maybe they started to play a little bit softer than fans would typically like them to but I I have to kind of take a step back and when I rewatch the game again today just think about how the Packers held this offense to 18 points you know I think all things considered that's a great day you know you're if the Packers offense is consistently scoring 30 plus you know the defense only has to hold them to less than that and they did just that Um, and I thought they came in with a lot of energy and a lot of juice you could tell that they were really feeding off of the fans um, and were just happy to be at home so I, I like the energy. Um, I think obviously they're going to have a much tougher test coming up against the Bucks and Tom Brady um, and that that, you know, a little bit more explosive offense than the Rams have. But, you know, they they held Cam Akers to under 100 yards and he was pretty much their only weapon. So I think holistically, the defense had a really nice day. Yeah. And I, I kind of coined this this Packers defense, uh, the, the, kind of my new phrase for them is they're frustratingly good. Like <laughs> I, I totally get through the course of a game where those drives feel so insanely frustrating because with, with, with Green Bay not giving up explosive plays and they had one uh, play over 20 yards that they allowed in this entire game against the Rams, with them not allowing big plays, in order for other teams to score, they have to go like 12, 15 plays, 75 yard drives in order to score. Um, and that's the plan of it, right? Is this is supposed to be a bend but don't break defense, and you're supposed to have to go the length of the field and put together these big drives together, which is so incredibly tough to do in today's NFL. But those three drives feel brutal, like to the point where you're just like, just let them score the touchdown and get it back in Aaron Rodgers' hands. I don't even care. Like mm-hmm. I just want, I just want the defense off the field. You can feel it in the moment and it, and it sucks. Right. But like, then you go back and you look at how this overall philosophy is working. And again, I know I've talked about this before and I know I just said it a second ago, but the the entire plan of this defense is to make you have to go on these painstakingly long drives that you do not make any mistakes and you have to paper cut this team to death because they're not going to allow big explosive plays. 
And it is so entirely tough to do, especially when you have lesser quarterbacks. We'll see if it's the same against Brady and then hopefully either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and how those teams match up. But it's so ridiculously tough to do in, in today's day and age. And yes, those three drives were painful and, and ended up in 18 total points. But how about the other five drives? Three plays, four yards, punt. Three plays, zero yards, punt. Three plays, negative six yards, punt. Seven plays, 25 yards, punt. Seven plays, five yards, turnover on downs. Five drives, 23 plays, 28 yards, basically a yard per play. Four punts, one turnover on downs. That's the philosophy. And it sucks in the moment when they're going on those big drives where everything's like a six yard gain for 15 straight plays. And it's and you want to pull your hair out and you see corners playing off. But the philosophy at the end of the day worked. And, and Perry mentioned the 18 total points. Well, and I mentioned the, the one play over 20 yards, only the three scoring drives and eight possessions. They shut out uh, the, the Rams in the fourth quarter. The, the Rams finished two of nine on third and fourth down combined. Jared Goff ended with 148 net passing yards. Robert Woods, their best receiver in the game, 48 receiving yards. Cam Akers held under 100 yards. Like what more do you want from a defense than that end that, that end stat line? So frustrating at times, unequivocally. Also really good somehow, absolutely. Do I know how it works totally? I'm not sure totally how it works, but it's worked. And I think Mike Patton in this defense deserves more credit than they've been given. And oh, by the way, five of the last six weeks held their opponent under 20 points, including three times against playoff opponents. So this defense is better than people think. Yeah, yeah I... No, go ahead, Perry. No, I was just going to say, like, it, it, it's interesting in-game versus the way that you feel when you rewatch a game or you look at the stat line because everything that you just mentioned leads you to believe, okay, Green Bay's off, uh, defense is, you know, one of the best in the league. You know, they can go up against anybody, and yet you're watching as, like, a you know, someone like Jared Goff with a broken thumb is sort of, like, sort of paper-cutting you, like you said, Andy, over a certain number of drives, but I, I think it's when you look at it holistically, they have all of the pieces to stop any opposing offense. When their pass rush shows up, they're going to get to the quarterback like we saw. And I, I just don't, I think they're playing at the level that they need to be playing at the playoffs. I don't think this defense is any worse than any other defense that we're going to go up against in the next coming games. Yeah. It, the, the double down on Andy's prior point. The Packers have now won seven straight games. That's awesome. And they've allowed no more than 25 points in all of them. And that was uh, their first matchup with the Bears way back uh, in November. So um, they're playing well. They're peaking at the right time. And that's what football's all about. The numbers never lie. And a lot of good numbers come out defensively for the Packers. Let's talk uh, let's talk maybe the most frustrating aspect of this Packers team right now. And I guess if I had a, a pick of the three, this would be the one where I'd want to lay the frustration. Special teams definitely uh, making headlines for the wrong reasons on Saturday. It seemed J.K. Scott just terribly frustrating. Couldn't get it within the 20 uh, and multiple great opportunities. Andy, what are the big takeaways on special teams coming out of that win on Saturday? Obviously, might not make or break you, but still frustrating and something that needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, you got to give them credit for finding new ways to screw things up each and every week. I mean, the 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 ingenuity and the creativity is just impressive. Like I could not have predicted a you know bad snap, extra point with a pitch from J.K. Scott to Mason Crosby, with J.K. Scott trying to run a speed option behind it. Like that's that's some creative stuff right there. Like, but at the same token, it's just crazy some of the stuff that keeps happening within the special teams and. 
this has been going on for like, I don't know, decades at this point. It's it's insane. And I've said this, I don't know how many times before, Brian Gutekunst has done a phenomenal job building this roster. It is beyond comprehension how you can have a 69-man roster, both with a 53-man regular and a 16-man practice squad that you're able to, able to call up, and not one player who knows how to return a kick. Like, that is beyond comprehension for me. Um, you had the, the, the poor kick return decision by Malik Taylor that cost the Packers nine yards. You allow a 38-yard kick return. The missed extra point, of course. You had a misjudged punt by Tavon Austin. You had a poor punt by J.K. Scott, like they just hit the bingo card just everywhere you could possibly want it. And was anything egregious to the point where it, it cost you the game? No, maybe not. But at the same time, these things can add up over the course of the game. And as you play teams that you're much closer uh, against and against, let's say they get to the point where they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, like those those things can ultimately be the decider of a game where you have to be perfect because, you know, the Chiefs are going to be scoring points at will because that's what they do. So um, those things have to get improved. And it's been a a season long of, of miscues for the special teams. And unfortunately, it continued into the playoffs. Like I said, hopefully it's not something that breaks you or makes you, but it's certainly been frustrating. Perry, big takeaways from the special team side of things. Yeah, it's interesting, like no issues on any returns, right? I think that's what like you're always worried about. But then somehow there's an issue on just an extra point kick where you're so used to Mason Crosby just being, you know, 100. Obviously, the, the poor snap was not his fault. But I think the big takeaway there is just to make sure that he's healthy. Like we Mason Crosby is such a weapon for this team. We saw a ton of doinks this weekend. So many missed kicks, so many missed extra points. Um, And so to have someone as reliable as Mason Crosby is tremendously helpful, Uh, especially, you know, games can come down to that field goal. We've seen it from him so many times. So I just hope that he can rest up. Uh, I like that he has an extra day um, and he can come out next weekend and be okay. I I think it's just the same that we've said all season is be competent. That's all. Don't make any mistakes. You know, if I saw at one point, I don't know if it was Tavon Austin or Malik Taylor, I can't remember who it was, but he could have just, you know, taken it in the end zone and said he decided to run it out. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, don't do that. Just 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 kneel like that. It's stuff like that where I'm just like, just take the yards. Don't make any mistakes, Um, because like Andy said, you know, every single thing in the next game or two possibly uh, can cost you a game if you make a mistake during a key moment. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the team's professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can even track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off 
an annual subscription when you use the code PACKADAY. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code PACKADAY, all one word, to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Totally. All right, let's do this together because we're going to dive into the uh, the meat of this podcast here in a minute. Uh, well, let's decompress. Let's talk about how we're feeling removed from the divisional round. We're headed to the championship round. We're, we're I think we're all in agreement. We're really happy with where we're with where this team's at. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, it's tough to be too disappointed in in how Green Bay's got to this point. It's been, I mean. Listen, the, the Super Bowl is obviously the goal, and, and the goal is to you know to get there and win it. But the journey is is to me is as fun as, as sometimes the destination. And this has been a really fun Packers team to watch throughout the entirety of this season. I mean, how Aaron Rodgers is playing, how Devonta Adams is playing, uh, Jair Alexander taking a step into that All Pro corner type territory. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary, we just talked about, and seeing some of these younger players, Darnell Savage, start to take the next step in their career. Elton Jenkins is another one of those. I mean, it just everything. Comes Comes together and uh, you can't talk well enough about Matt LaFleur and 13 and three and back-to-back seasons, NFC championship games and back-to-back seasons. Dude's never been a head football coach at any level in his career before. <laughs> Comes into the most storied franchise in NFL history and goes to back-to-back NFC championship yeah. games to start his career. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been one hell of a ride so far. And I, I, I believe Green Bay will keep that going, but you know, right now I'm enjoying every second of it. Mm-hmm. Perry, one hell of a ride, Andy said. <laughs> of course, I am the most optimistic of the fans, and I always appreciate uh, the Packers. You know, it's easy to appreciate when they're winning, but uh, I think it's it's also just something something about Aaron Rodgers' mentality and the way he's approaching every game this season has just like transcended throughout the rest of the team. You know, his celebrations with everyone and the crowning and the I love gold and the inside jokes and they're smiling on the field. Um, I, I think that we. I mean, I'll speak for myself, I guess, you know, when you have someone like Aaron Rodgers step out onto that field every single game for the team that you root for, you kind of take it, you take that for granted. Um, And this season has been, I think, the first one in a couple of years where I definitely have not taken that for granted. Um, And I think there's something about the way that he is playing and the way this team has sort of rallied together um, in a very true sort of brotherhood kind of way is probably a part of why they've made it this far. Um, and it's been fun to watch. So I I'm hoping that it continues them forward, but regardless to get this season out of the year 2020, um, is absolutely a bright spot. 100 plus we have a new green and yellow track out of it too. So you <laughs> about that. Shout out Tunchi. Well, if Andy and Perry don't already have you ready to run through a brick wall, let's set the scene for what's coming up. On Sunday afternoon, 2.05 Central Daylight Time, it's been set. It is the Green Bay Packers led by the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, who played 16 regular season games this year. In 15 of them, he threw a touchdown. The one game he didn't throw a touchdown or run in a touchdown this regular season was at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by the GOAT, Tom Brady, at 43 years old, playing his best football of the year. It is a rematch from week number six coming out of the bye for the Packers, and it is all on the line. A trip to the Super Bowl in sunny Tampa, Florida, on the line. Let's start with the offense, guys. I mean, we, we just covered it. We're feeling really good. Uh, they're playing just terrific football. They're led by the MVP. The offensive line has not moved, even with the loss of maybe their best a- uh, asset in David Bakhtiari, but they're playing terrific. 
as a whole. And, you know, you think they can go into war and win a war with any football team on the planet. I'm fired up. I think Green Bay has got a darn good shot. Andy, break this down for me. The Packers can win. How? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, you go back to that Tampa Bay game and so much of that was was due to turnovers and, um, you know, some of the mistakes that Green Bay made. And there were certainly uncharacteristic mistakes. Again, I think Green Bay showed that they can score on anyone. Even if you go back to that game, if I remember correctly, I believe it was like a 10 nothing lead for Green Bay. I'd have to go back and check. And then everything just kind of fell apart. They're on the road. They're in Tampa. And, uh, you know, I think Tampa shocked them a little bit. And I don't foresee the game going that same exact way. As you're watching, you know, Saints and Bucks today, I just don't I, – I, both, both of those teams look antiquated in comparison to what Green Bay can do on offense. And it's not to say that Brady and this Tampa Bay team can't put up points. I mean, they just put up 30 uh, against the Saints down in New Orleans. So th- they're certainly going to score theirs, and they're going to get theirs as well. But um, I just think that Green Bay can outscore this Tampa Bay team. And I think it starts with that. And I think it starts at playing the same brand of football that you have all season long. And I, I really like what Green Bay can do defensively. I just talked about how um, I think they're playing much better better than people are giving them credit for. And I think they're going to be matched up much better in this, in this game at, at Lambeau field than what they did in, in week six down in Tampa. So I think everything's trending in the right direction for green Bay. And I think it just, if, if you look at what Aaron Rodgers can do at quarterback right now, compared to what Tom Brady can do, it's no disrespect to Tom Brady, who uh, I think will go down as the greatest of all time. Uh, I just think Brady or excuse me, Rodgers is playing at uh, a higher level than Brady. And I think that'll be the difference in this game. Yeah, a shootout with Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field in January does not seem like a recipe for another Super Bowl trip for Tom Brady. But we'll see. Uh, Perry, the Packers win. Why and how? By being themselves, by just continuing to do what they've been doing, you know, kind of ever since that loss to the Bucs very, very early in the season. I think that that really highlighted a lot of weaknesses and they've done a very good job over the course of the rest of the season, sort of filling those holes. Uh, I kind of love that there's that tape, if you will, the understanding of, you know, what went wrong and what not to do again in this game. Um, you know, this secondary, this buck secondary are, is phenomenal. They're ball Hawks, right? We saw it against the saints. They, you know, he breeze turned the ball over four times. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. Um, he had uncharacteristic two picks the first time they played. He's playing at a much higher level now than I think he was in their first matchup. And I think as long as they play their brand of football, like Andy said, their progressive, innovative, offensive football and have a clean game, don't turn the ball over, keep Aaron Rodgers upright. They're going to they're, they're going to beat anybody that comes their way, uh, especially at home. 100%. Let's go from optimism with Perry to pessimism with Alex. How's that sound? Uh, 38-10 to 10 was the final score in Week 6. It was Aaron Rodgers' only multi-interception game of the season. That includes the postseason, of course. And Perry mentioned it. Drew Brees in his final career game. What a freaking career for that guy. A pleasure to watch it. But his final game, if, if the rumors are true, um, uh, not a fun one for him by any means of the imagination. But, uh, I mean, you look at the way that these two teams played earlier in the year, and I, I will always sit on the side of the argument where you're looking at two different football teams here in January than you were in October. But the Packers still got punched in the mouth, 38-10. to 10. The Bucks scored 38 unanswered uh, in that game. Tom Brady didn't do anything too special. Ronald Jones had a solid outing. It, it wasn't – it didn't feel like – 
you know, anybody particularly dominated that game, but that offense or the, that both that defense and the Tampa Bay offense looked better than Green Bay on both sides. So you hope that doesn't happen again as, as this one goes down to Lambo, but we will see. So uh, I'll flip to you. I'll, I'll rear the head, I guess. But Andy, why could the Bucks win? What what makes this game in the Bucks' favor uh, when we get to it on Sunday afternoon? I don't necessarily think it puts it in the Bucks' favor, but I mean, they're, they're simple formulas, right? So first of all, if Green Bay turns the ball over with any level of regularity like they did in that first game or it has the same sort of miscues, I mean, you you don't have to look too far back other than the, the Packers game with Tampa to see how big the turnovers were and just go back and look at the Saints-Bucks game. The, the Saints turned the ball over three times. I believe the Bucks scored three touchdowns off of those three turnovers, and that was really the huge difference in that game. Like, you have to take care of the football against... Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I know this isn't exactly a hot take. Turnovers are going to decide most games, especially in the playoffs, but that's Tampa Bay's recipe for success, and I think you have to make them grind and go down the field. This isn't Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. They're good, but they're not great, and and Brady um, is going to have, you know, a little bit more you know, struggles trying to move the ball downfield in some of those more explosive offenses like a, a Mahomes or maybe a Josh Allen with Buffalo. So um, you can't have the turnovers. Um, I think that's number one. And then I think number two, I, I think Tampa Bay's defense does still play um, Green Bay a little bit difficult. I think they have some of the corners to play with Green Bay's wide receivers on the outside. And we talked about uh, before when, and, and Perry, you brought this up, when the, the Packers have struggled, it's a lot of times been with some of those quick, fast linebackers that they've been playing against. You know, Exhibit A, uh, Tampa Tampa Bay when they lost, Eric Kendricks again with the Vikings when they lost. Um, you know, they struggled with Jeremy Chin and his speed in that linebacker position, that hybrid position when they played the Panthers, Miles Jack, when they played the Jaguars, those were the games where they were held under 25 points. Their other loss, the Colts, I know they still put up points, but Darius Leonard in that game. So it, it's been those kind of speedy linebackers that can kind of get to the running backs and kind of shut down the running game. I think Green Bay has to learn from their last game. They tried a lot of those toss and outside run plays against Levante David and Devin White. That didn't work at all. And I think you have to run right up the gut and run at those players. They're they're still really good, but they're faster than they are more physical. And I think you have to get, you know, guards and offensive linemen and, um, and those type of players up on those players and try to move them and try to get those three and four yard gains. Because if you're going sideline to sideline, those are the ones that are going to turn into negative two, negative three yard losses because of the speed that Tampa Bay has. So Tampa Bay's got a quick defense that can play well against this Green Bay offense. And if Green Bay turns the ball over or has some of those miscues, Tampa can take and can and will take advantage. So that's the recipe for success for Tampa. I agree with Perry. Green Bay just has to play their brand of football. They've got to play their brand of football, 100%. Uh, Perry, if Andy didn't cover literally anything possible <laughs> in his spiel, why could the Bucks win on Sunday? Yeah, I pretty much took all the words right out of my <laughs> mouth, literally, because I, I think I talked to Andy too much about my thoughts about football. Um, no, I just think that the Packers have to not try to beat this team horizontally at the line of scrimmage. Like The linebackers are way too speedy. They're way too athletic. You have to attack them down the middle of the field. Um And, you know, trust that Aaron Rodgers is just a better quarterback right now than Brady. He's going to make better throws and he's going to know what to do and he's going to be able to read this defense. I mean, 
everyone's talking about the smirk that he had at the end of the Rams game when he was reading some coverage that he knew he was going to be able to exploit. I think you just have to trust that he's going to be able to do that um, and hope that Brady maybe makes a mistake. Um, you know, we got to stop Ronald Jones and I guess Leonard Fournette, who apparently had a great game um, against the Saints somehow, uh, you know, and make him throw the ball against, you know, our secondary, who is also phenomenal. And I think itching for a turnover or two, they're, they're due. So, um, just just be who they are and and get to Brady. Yeah, that's fair. I li- I like that take, Perry. Uh, get to Brady, and you're probably setting yourself up for for success uh, on the uh, on the defensive side at least. Now, here's a not so fun fact from the Buccaneers: they have won their last six games. In each of their last five, they've scored at least 30 points. Uh, so definitely the shootout material maybe we're looking for. Uh, as you know, it's going to be a shootout. I don't care who you bring into Green Bay. It's Aaron Rodgers and company in January. It's going to be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to this matchup, um, as I know you guys are as well. But I think we're, we're all more confident in the Packers, but the Bucks definitely have the ability to win this game as we saw them do in October. So definitely a, a lot to look forward to this week. We'll, we'll have plenty of coverage for you here across the Pack-A-Day podcast each and every day leading up to the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Now, I taught key matchups. Obviously, Brady versus Rodgers is a big one. But aside from that, and Andy, we'll start with you again. What's the biggest matchup you're looking forward to? Or maybe matchups. That can be plural if you'd like, if, if there's quite a few things you're looking at. Yeah, I'm going to try to steal as many as possible so Perry has no <laughs> material to work with when we get to her again. But uh, Carlton Davis versus Devontae Adams, they matched up really well. And then Carlton Davis played Adams really well in that game. So I think that's number one on my list that I'm keeping an eye out for. Um, and then uh, number two is going to be the Packers offensive line versus the Bucks defensive line. We just you know talked about how great the Packers offensive line has looked. Well, uh, they struggled in that game against Tampa. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, that entire group was really able to kind of set the tone against Green Bay. So uh, now in, in maybe colder weather, Lambeau Field, maybe Green Bay knows the the footing a little bit better. How does the, the Packers offensive line look in that matchup? So that's number two on my list. And then number three is how Green Bay's corners match up with Tampa Bay's wide receivers. So you, you know you're going to have to deal all day with Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Well, uh, Jair Alexander and, and Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan, those guys are going to have their hands full. You expect Green Bay still to play a lot of zone and, and not a ton of man-to-man in that situation, but the defensive backs as a total still are going to have to have their A game. Um, Gronk gave Green Bay trouble as well in that game, so um, it's going to be a, a total effort from Tampa Bay, and it's going to take everyone on defense to, to stop that, that passing attack from Tampa. Good stuff. Perry? Uh, I guess I'll go with anyone that, that Andy didn't say. I mean, I, I think what I remember very vividly from the first matchup was that Jamal Williams, I don't know why this stands out so much in my mind, but Jamal Williams actually ran the ball, like just straight up the gut pretty decently. Um, and I remember thinking in that first game, you know, why aren't they doing this more? So we saw in the Rams game, the running back room, all three getting involved. I think barring any serious injury to AJ Dillon, hopefully his quad, I think it was a quad, um, is okay. I'd love to see that rotation back again. Um, I love a good pony package. Just, you know, get the, get the running game going. Um, and you know, 
know, long drives, keep the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand, um, end it with touchdowns, you know, score points. I guess that's how you win games, right? Um, and uh, again, just the trenches, you know, it can our pass rush get to Brady? He's really good against pressure this season. He's been getting the ball out really quickly and he's playing really well against pressure. But he, you know, if you get him on the ground and you force them backwards, our pass rush is showing up really nicely. I thought they played, you know, next to offensive line. I thought that was kind of the next position group that that gets the game ball for me in the Rams game. So get that pressure on him, you know, try to exploit any kind of offensive line matchup that we can um, and stop Brady from getting the ball out quickly. I'd love, like I said, I'd love to see a turnover. I think that this, our secondary is, is poised for one. Um, it's not quite breeze coming up to Lambeau, you know, in, in terms of accuracy, but I think there is room for, uh, Brady to make a mistake if as long as our pass rush is, you know, causing problems up front. So uh, I guess that's what I'm I'm looking at, too. Yeah, Brady wasn't terribly efficient in either the, the Packers week six matchup with the Bucks or, or uh, on Sunday night against the Saints. 15 incompletions or excuse me, uh, 18, 17. I can't do math. 15 incompletions. That's the number. Final answer uh, for Brady uh, on Sunday against the Saints and against Packers. 10 incompletions, uh, only 166 yards earlier in the year. So while Tom Brady can absolutely win a game. I don't know if he necessarily has the polarizing effect that maybe he did five years ago, but still the ability to lead a team to a victory. But uh, quickly, my, my key matchup that I'm really looking for uh, in this one is the Packers rush defense against the Tampa Bay rush offense. Uh, in that first game, Ronald Jones went bananas, 113 yards on 23 carries to go along with his two rushing touchdowns. And uh, Kashawn Vaughn, who we haven't heard a lot from since, five carries, 42 yards against the Packers earlier this year. Uh, we saw Leonard Fournette, as Perry alluded to earlier, uh, have, have a nice game against the Saints on Sunday, 63 yards for him and 62 for Ronald Jones. So uh, that dynamic duo definitely has the potential to change the way uh, a game is going or the direction of a game or the result of a game even. So if the Packers defense can step up against these backs like they've been able to do uh, with great success the, the last few weeks, especially against Derrick Henry. And again, uh, on Saturday, we saw with Cam Akers less than 100 yards, only gets into the end zone once. If they can really shut down this rush attack and make Brady uh, try to win this game, I think they'll have a, uh, a successful Sunday uh, in the NFC Championship game. Now, we talked about those matchups. Those are great and fine. How about the GOAT matchup we got going on on Sunday in Lambeau Field? I don't care who you're a fan of. I don't care what team you're a fan of. All eyes have to be on this one. It's Tom Brady. It's Aaron Rodgers. It is debatably the two best quarterbacks to ever play in the National Football League going head-to-head -head with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. I'm giving myself goosebumps right now, man. That's crazy. <laughs> this is such an exciting matchup. I'm pumped up. Andy Brady v. Rodgers. Yeah, you know, I think the, the thing here, it's it's interesting yeah, when when they matched up earlier this season, uh, Rogers, of course, was on the McAfee show and, you know, Rogers kind of deadpanned about how uh, ridiculous it is that it gets talked about of Rogers versus Brady because they're never on the field at the same time. And he's going to get the same questions in his press conference every week about Rogers and Brady and talked about, you know, how it does not matter to him. One iota of, you know, playing against Brady that, you know, he just wants to go out, win the football game and so on and so forth. 
I'm claiming bullshit a little bit on that. Um, there is no way the most competitive player in the history of the NFL and Aaron Rodgers, and honestly, Tom Brady on the other side too, doesn't want it in some way, shape, or form to outperform the other one in this game, especially with the trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And obviously, getting to the Super Bowl and winning the game is more important, and it didn't matter who was on the other side of the field. But you know, I'm sure that these guys will be golfing together at some point and will want to be able to bring up who beat who in this championship game. It's easily the biggest uh, game that these two will be facing off uh, against each other in. So uh, yeah, the, the, the argument or the, the storyline ultimately is kind of ridiculous because again, they're not going to be on the field at the same time, but you know, both of these guys are just going to want to put on MVP caliber performances. And at the same time, I think it's important that, uh, you know, neither of them try to do too much in this game and let the kind of game come to them and, and don't force anything, which um, while Aaron Rodgers has, has been basically completely turnover prone and, and not trying to do, you know, do too much the entirety of his career in some of these playoff games, it hasn't always been the case. And he has had some awkward and, and weird interceptions, even this last game uh, before halftime, forcing two throws that you almost never see him make. So um, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And obviously you love every second of this matchup, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how both these quarterbacks play. No doubt about it. Brady Rogers at Lambeau Field, Perry. This is ridiculously exciting. How are you feeling about that? I have really mixed feelings about it because the football fan in me knows how just unprecedentedly huge something like this is. You know, like Andy said, two of arguably the best to ever play the game ever are going to go up in, in a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I just... And I know it's going to get beaten into the ground all week, so I'm like already prepared for it. But, you know, this is not who I want to see if if I want my team to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't want this very experienced Tom Brady uh, coming into to this game. He's I think this is his 14th championship game of his career. Um, you know, he knows what this game means. He He's been here countless times um and and so i think in that respect there's a level of mental toughness that he brings that some other quarterbacks may not but at the end of the day you know you just have to sit back and know that you know in 20 years you're going to be able to look back and say yeah i remember that game and it was one of you know two of the greatest to ever do it in a head-to-head to a super bowl um and, it, and it's phenomenal football. I, I think there, it's a really interesting juxtaposition to me between the NFC and the AFC. And, and, and there's a lot been a lot of commentary around the age difference between quarterbacks uh, across conferences. And I think there's a level of like cycling out, right? Like you're starting to see some of the older quarterbacks in the NFC retire. And so new ones will begin to take their place. And that already started to happen in the AFC. Um, you know, now we're seeing Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, you know, stepping into those roles. But I just think there's something to be said for the fact that like the three remaining quarterbacks at, at the end of this were all above the age of 37. Um, it, it's it could be said that maybe drafting of quarterbacks in the last 10 years wasn't at its best or it's that we just happen to be blessed with, you know, three phenomenal players for longer than we're used to. Um, and so there's an appreciation of that also. No doubt about it. I mean, I mean the longevity aspect of this is, is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you, you look at the two guys you've got at Lambeau Field on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, a, a billion passing yards, a billion touchdowns, a bunch of accolades, a bunch of records. I mean, 
there was so much history and there was a lot of talk about Breeze and Brady, right? Obviously a combined 85 years old, which is, uh, that's old by the way. Um, and, and I mean, it's just, it's just nuts how much history is going, going into this one. So, uh, really, really exciting stuff. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, trip to the Super Bowl on the line Sunday, two Oh five central in Lambeau field. Before we let you go, let's talk about the AFC side of things. Perry mentioned it. Josh Allen, will be heading to Patrick Mahomes land question mark. He was knocked out of Sunday's game against the Browns with a concussion did not return. So uh, we will see if Mahomes plays. I have a hard time believing he won't, but uh, bills and chiefs in the AFC championship game. Obviously all eyes will be on that one as it is the, uh, the night game that surprised me. The the schedule came out right as we started recording the Packers and bucks are the, are the, uh, the matinee. And then the night game is bills, and Chiefs, but that will be a fun one too. The future of the NFL, as Perry was alluding to, two younger guys who have been lighting the NFL on fire the last couple of years, especially this year. Uh, assuming Mahomes plays, this this game's going to be a, a ton of fun too. Yeah, I really think so. And I mean, this, these were kind of the two matchups that I thought kind of going in would ultimately be here. And I also thought these would be kind of the most fun. You get Rodgers, Brady in one, and then you get, like you said, kind of the future of the the NFL on the other side with, with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. You know, it was such an interesting game in Kansas City. I really enjoy the Browns. And, you know, how do you not cheer for the Browns in that situation against the yeah. Chiefs? But you, you hated seeing Patrick Mahomes go out. You don't want to see a team that's that special lose in that way. Um, so, you know, hopefully Mahomes is okay and you get to see this phenomenal matchup with Browns and Chiefs. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Chiefs open as three point favorites against the Bills. Packers open as three and a half point favorites against the Buccaneers. So uh, at least Vegas feels uh, like uh, Green Bay, a better bet uh, against Tampa Bay than what Kansas City is against Buffalo. So I thought that was interesting as well. But uh, both of these games, I mean, you can't get four better teams matching up in the NFL. And honestly, um, you know, maybe Kansas City, Tampa Bay would be pretty crappy and we're not even going to speak that into existence. But no matter what, how, you know, how this shakes out, you should have an insanely entertaining Super Bowl. No doubt. All four teams that are left and all four quarterbacks that are left, a ton of fun. Uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, we hope, uh, in the AFC, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the NFC. I mean, that's, that's, those are some fun names and some, uh, fun seasons that we've been uh, seeing all, all year long from those four teams. But Perry, any thoughts on the AFC? I mean, I think it's really fun to see, you know, not the Steelers, not the Patriots, you know, two teams that, yeah, I guess that, you know, the Chiefs are the reigning Super Bowl champs and everyone's touting them as this new dynasty. Well, they have to win a couple more Super Bowls to be considered a dynasty. So, like, let's see what they got. Um, I'm personally, you know, pulling a little bit more for the Bills. Maybe it's a New York thing. Uh, Maybe I just love a little bit of an underdog or a team (laughs) that hasn't seen their team you know win in a very long time I think that's what I've loved about this playoffs is you get the Browns and the Bills um, you know teams whose fans have been in a a playoff win drought for so long Um, so I appreciate that for them Um, Josh Allen has had you know close to an MVP level season was a player who nobody thought would ever reach that kind of height so I think it's just going to be a really fun weekend a really fun game I actually think it's quite interesting that it's the number one and the number two seeds left Uh, I don't know how 
how often that happens. I feel like statistically or mathematically that would make sense, but I don't know if the new way the playoffs are structured, it's kind of lending itself to that. Um, so it's interesting that like the four best teams are the ones left standing now. Um, and I am excited, uh, anxious and curious as to who is going to be the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, and it's, I'm with it's, Sorry, I was, it's one thing to win the Super Bowl, too. But if you're going to go out and win it, you know, you might as well go out and do it against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes back to back. Right. Like like there's Super Bowls are special no matter what. But, but can you even imagine the situation if Green Bay was able to go out with winning a, a Super Bowl with beating Brady in the NFC Championship and then Mahomes in the Super Bowl? Like it, it legitimately does not get better than that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of season left, even though there's only eight quarters left and there, you know, hopefully eight quarters left and uh, should be a lot of fun to kind of see how everything transpires. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Two really good games on the slate. I, I know we'll enjoy them. I hope you do as well. We appreciate you rocking with us. Starting your week off with us here on the Pack a Day podcast. Before we sign off, guys, uh, give me winners next weekend. I'm going Packers Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'll let you go first, Perry. I think it's going to be Packers Bills. Um, and I'm not yes. saying that because Patrick Mahomes got hurt this game. I think regardless of if he's at full strength, um, I'm just pulling for the Bills uh, and as a quote upset, if you will. But Packers all the way. We'll never bet against them. Best fan bases in football. That'd be a <laughs> lot of fun. It would be a lot of people thrown through tables. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Packers and Chiefs as well, Alex. I, I you know, with when Kansas City is healthy, you could see it early in that game it, it, when Patrick Mahomes is out there. They're just so insanely hard to stop. I honestly, I frankly do not know how you stop them, no matter who you have on defense. No idea how the Las Vegas Raiders were able to beat them earlier this season. But um, I like the Chiefs in that game. I think Buffalo will definitely make it close. And I think def Buffalo definitely could win that game. But uh, give me Packers Chiefs. I don't give a damn who wins next week. And I'm making this promise to you two and the Pack-A-Day family. Uh, if the Packers win next weekend, we will throw a video of me jumping through a table up on the Pack-A-Day Twitter. I, I will jump through a table if the Packers win the NFC Championship game in Lambeau next week. How are you feeling about that? See, I'm, I'm, I'm all in here, Andy. You are. You also, uh, I believe, are getting a tattoo if the Packers win the Super Bowl. Am I mistaken? Yeah, I think A.J. Dillon kind of bullied me into that one. But, yeah, I'll get a tattoo if the Packers win the Super Bowl. They win the NFC Championship game. Uh, there's a table with my name on it. So I think you could probably double things up and just get the <laughs> tattoo and then have them put you through the <laughs> tattoo table. Like, I think you could just double it and then, you know, two birds, one stone once the Packers win that Super Bowl. We're getting too creative. That's that. That's my uh, signal to end the <laughs> podcast. Andy Herman, Perry Goldstein. I'm Alex Strope. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Monday. It's been a lot of fun, but we're just getting started, baby. Brady and Rogers in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Coverage all week long here on the Pack-A-Day podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network.